Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a... Amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour. Is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour. Is what's happening. Football, friendship, and fun, that's what we do. We watch the Chiefs and talk about them too. Amateur hour. Amateur hour. Podcast. I'll tell you once more before we start to record. Amateur hour. Ryan Scott Hall and his darkness. You know that these guys are the best in the biz. Amateur hour. Amateur Hour Podcast. I'll tell you once more before we start to record Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur I think it's about time to start the show. Just one more chorus, then away we go. Amateur hour. Amateur hour. A podcast. Here comes Ryan and Dirk, your favorite amateurs. Amateur hour. That's right. The name of the show, folks, is Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall, and with me today... A man that has never misplaced his mojo, his darkness. What's up? Not a lot, Dirk. How are you? Uh, Ryan, I don't know if you heard or not, but we're back. Amateur hour is back. We're recording right now. Um, I thought that you might go with the the boomer. Back, 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 back. God. The Chiefs are, in fact, back. I think. Can you can you explain why it's so fun to just say we're back? It's it's such a fun statement. I, I can't even figure out why. I don't even know where. It, like I know the Texas thing gets a lot of run for like we're back, uh, and that's pretty funny. But it's just like for whatever reason I can't stop saying it. Like I say it with Nebraska every time, although that's more tongue in cheek. And with the Chiefs, it felt more real last night. I may have gotten a little out of hand with the word back but i think i've seen that approximately 350 times on my timeline in the last 24 hours um but man is it fun to say we're back it's just it's fun, fun it has been uh it has been going around it's contagious and you know i've i haven't really been able to spend time let's actually real quick um i mean i guess you'll know depending on when you listen to it but we are recording on Monday night rather than our usual, at least for season 10, Wednesday evening. So things are still in like the normally, what would you be doing on a Monday night? Would you be like marinating? Would you be listening to podcasts? Would you be taking notes? What would you be doing normally on a Monday, Dirk? 
what would I be doing on a Monday? Um, so nothing much. I mean, sitting around, I don't have, I'm trying to think of a clever answer here, but no, I mean, Chiefs wise, yeah, I've taken some shows. Uh, usually don't podcast. It's, it's more of a busy work day kind of day. Uh, you know, I, I usually don't get out much on Sundays, so maybe go see the light of day. That's that's kind of nice sometimes. Uh, so yeah, just that's, that's just that kind of stuff. I normally enjoy the couple days in between Sunday's game, usually typically Sunday's game, and Wednesday's podcast. It gives me time to kind of consume and and also reflect a little bit and try to come up with things that I know I definitively want to talk about. And what and it's 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 uh, it's it changes the show a lot. Like if we did some of these shows on Mondays, they'd have a much different tone. Um, than if we did them on Wednesdays, it's just kind of different. I mean, think of some of those losses. I mean, you're way more heated on the, the day after on Monday and Wednesday, like perspective kind of sets it. Um, so just trying to changes everything. But yeah, I'm totally with you. Monday is good to just let the takes come at you instead of instead of giving the takes. So a little bit different process today, trying to get some takes ourselves on this victory Monday. I am glad we won because Mondays are probably a lot easier once you if you win uh, as opposed to lose. Whereas Wednesday, eh, you know, you know, you're fine. You're kind of fine, but you're kind of over it by Wednesday. You're ready for the next game. You're, you're doing a lot better. So, so maybe let's cover some potential explanations for why the Chiefs were back in the way that they were back. Fully back, yeah. baby. We're back. We're back. <laughs> um, some potential explanations. Apparently, maybe, possibly, Dirk, the Raiders were just what the doctor ordered. A team really low on energy after the events of the past month or so. Um, an overwhelmingly Chiefs positive crowd. Good God, those clips of the national anthem are awesome. <laughs> awesome. It's so good. It's so loud. Um, but, you know, maybe it was just catching the right team at the right time. What say you to that, Dirk? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, you know, I, I do have some devil's advocate arguments here. Um, I do think uh, we're the Chiefs are doing a lot of celebrating, uh, you know, both the fan base and the players. Uh, a lot of, you know, retweeting some national media folks, a lot of, you know, you doubted us kind of thing. I saw Mahomes' lady going in pretty hard. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs, Chiefs are feeling themselves pretty right now. And, you know, for good reason. I mean, we haven't had a lot to, uh, to cheer this year. So uh, we kind of deserve it. Uh, so, you know, you, sh you should be doing this. Um, and, it, and it's fun. But, you know, there, there is a good chance that the, you know, the Raiders are just a dead team walking at this point. I mean, with everything that's gone on, uh, they did win that first game after Gruden got canned. Uh, and hats off to them. I can't remember who was against now, but it was a, it was a pretty solid. I think it was, nah, I don't remember who it was, uh, but pretty solid win for them. Uh, but then, you know, the, the players, I mean, the, the fucking, the, the DUI death has to take a toll. I mean, that's just kind of hard to process. And then one of your, it's one guy that's, you've just been around every single day. He's now staring at what, 40 years in prison or something like that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. Then the other guy goes off, oh, God knows what, uh, David Arquette. Um, so, you know, they could just be a dead team walking at this point and, you know, it's, it'll be the typical Raiders, uh, slide, 
uh, where the first half of the year they look like a solid team, and then the second half of the year they fall back and they go 8-8 eight, eight once again. So subplot here, potentially, as part of maybe the Raiders were just what the doctor ordered. Were the Raiders playing cover three? It sounds like it. I haven't really spent any time on Twitter today, but we had asked in our little preview when I said it was going to be a close, very ugly game, incorrectly, um, that that maybe the Raiders were going to play this Gus Bradley cover three. Uh, well, listen, I don't know what the answer is. I've seen you shaking your head. Yes. It does sound like the Raiders were in there. Gus Bradley cover three. Um, for, I mean, for the majority, like I, okay. from what I could see, like they were in it too much. Okay. Apparently. I mean, there's a, there's a specific defense that's slowing down Mahomes, and then they didn't use that defense. Okay. Uh, so, so I'll say this last night to me, it looked new, um, not just different, but, but new. Um, I'm almost certain that they can't run all the same concepts against cover two that they do against cover three, but it still looked like a team that had learned a lot from the last few games and were able to apply it um, in terms of like a philosophical approach on offense. It could be as simple as we know how to beat these coverages, right? And, and that would mean that maybe they'll just revert back to the crapper when we inevitably see cover two again. I don't know if that's what happened, but it felt like something different from that. How, how, how does that sit with you? How's that hitting your ears? And, and one thing we're talking, when we're talking about this defense, it's not like this defense just like destroys the Chiefs. It's like if the Chiefs get frustrated and then they're playing against this defense, it can be hard if you're not patient and confident to, to move the ball against this defense because it's just they're waiting for you to make a mistake. And once you make that first mistake, what we've seen from this Chiefs team this, this season is that it starts to snowball. So, you know, it's not just like they magically play this defense and it, and it kills the Chiefs. Uh, however, um, with this game, I would say you could see a huge difference. And, you know, just looking at Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, I mean, confidence is everything. And you can see right off the bat that he just looked like a different quarterback out there. Um, and I'm really not – I've seen some – you know, last night today, like, oh, like, oh, the Chiefs were never broken. There was nothing, anything, never anything wrong with Patrick Mahomes, which I don't buy whatsoever. I mean, people might be looking at stats and coming up with those takes. And to be fair, those were those are kind of like national guys I saw have those takes more than like local Chiefs fans. It was kind of like, I mean, Trey Wingo was the one I saw uh, that stood out. But then a few other guys like, no, there was nothing ever, ever, ever anything wrong with the Chiefs offense. Like, no, 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 no. I watched the team play the last two or three weeks. There was definitely something wrong. Like, don't, don't sit here and tell me that there was, you know, that was the same old Chiefs offense. But they came out this week, and for whatever reason, you know, is it that third down pass from last week? Is it just, you know, maybe a full game without a turnover? And, Mah and Mahomes kind of got to see that. Um, whatever it was, you could just kind of see a different attitude uh, with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense in general. And you can see it right off the bat. Like they look different in this game. And I, when I say like philosophically, he, here's what I mean. I'm not, I clearly Mahomes looked confident. 
right? Like there's no question that they look like they were clicking in a way that they haven't for a while. And, and that's why I said like, maybe it's, it's as simple as, hey, this is cover three and we can definitely shred this, right? And so maybe that's where that confidence comes from. Maybe it's just like, God, we have been waiting to not have to play against those two deep safeties. And here we go. Let's take advantage of it all night long. Um, I think that that's entirely possible. But what I really feel like I saw in terms of like what was different about this offense, I saw what felt like a consistent commitment to having the running backs involved in the game plan. Um, it was not just Daryl Williams. It was Jarek McKinnon throughout the game, getting opportunities, being involved in the play and like in the actual outcome of the play. And so whether that's a change in Mahomes targeting them or a change in emphasis where it becomes, this is really where the ball is kind of designed to go. I can't tell you one way or another, but it really felt like throughout the game, they never went away from it. We didn't have this stretch where, oh, hey, they had eight handoffs on the first drive and then five more over their next four drives or something. It didn't feel like that was happening. Maybe it's just because they were scoring. But man, it felt like they were starting to apply the parts of the game plan that they know they need to use in order to be successful against the cover two. And even if they were calling a little bit different in terms of where the deeper route concepts are going or something because of the schematic change, it still felt like that overall philosophy, even if it's just run versus pass, was really suited to beat a cover two. I could be wrong. That's just how I felt, I, I, especially with the running backs. Am I in the weeds here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I am no coverage specialist. Uh, I mean, my uh, coverage skills go back as far as Madden 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like to run a cover three. I like to run a cover three because you can bring that extra safety down in the box and you kind of run eight man in the box, but you still have three deep. That was what I ran on Madden. So I respect a good cover three. Um, but it does kind of, uh, I think it opens up the flats a little bit more if you're in cover three as opposed to uh, what the Chiefs have been seeing, whether that's a man or whether that's just, uh, you know, an extra an extra man down low. Uh, whereas in cover two, you know, how they've been playing us, they kind of, they force you to beat them in the intermediate areas. And that's where the Chiefs have struggled. Like the Chiefs kind of want to either attack downfield or in the flats uh, with like screens and, you know, all those passes behind the line of scrimmage that we saw from Mahomes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, attacking the flats, no question about that. I mean, Dar Darrell Williams, nine catches on nine targets. Um, man, are, are we just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we'll probably get into this, but you know, everybody asks the same question. Why aren't they doing this with Clyde when they seem to do it with Daryl Williams? Are we all just underestimating Darrell Williams? And how many different teams, how, how many different ways can I pronounce Darrell Williams name in the same uh, little soliloquy here? Um, but you know, day, day Rel Williams has some nice hands. Like he flashed them again yesterday. And like last, going back to last season, I was kind of like, they're not using Clyde on third downs because they don't trust him blocking. But maybe they just trust Darrell Williams to be a good receiver. Like he's a good receiving back and none of us really realize it because he's kind of, I mean, he's not super speedy. Like he doesn't seem like a scat back type. Like he's not super fast or anything like that. So you just kind of see him as like a, you know, he's a Jackie battle type. He's, he's more of a plotter. Uh, he's going he's gonna to run hard and get you the yards that he needs to, but he's not going to beat you out in space or anything like that. And he doesn't really do that, but 
really nice hands, as we've seen as he went full moss on uh, our boy uh, Jonathan Abram over there with the Raiders. Okay, so permission to uh, propose a possible player comp for Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams. <laughs> um, I, you know who he reminds me of, and I think, I guess the yeah, comparison, the comparison that I would make is the best NFL version of this player, which might even potentially seem generous to Daryl Williams, but he reminds me of when being fully utilized in the offense. He reminds me Leonard Fournette. This is a guy that is not particularly athletic, but he's strong and he's a powerful downhill runner. He's not especially good getting to the edge, but sometimes you can incorporate him in the pass game. Keep in mind, Leonard Fournette, his last year in Jacksonville, I believe had upwards of 80 catches in that offense too. Um, and, and so it's just, there's not a lot of flash and there is primarily power, but he's got soft enough hands He's reliable in the run game, in the pass game, both as a protector and as a receiver. And generally speaking, I just don't think that there's a whole lot of flash to his game. They went to the same school and one guy was picked in the top five and the other guy was undrafted. But I think everything about them, including their running style and everything, it, it just looks familiar. Both of those guys, I think you can rely on pretty consistently for about four or five yards they're not really going to make guys miss, but they can follow their blocks and they can get the job done. That's kind of how I've been seeing Daryl Williams. He, he's not exciting, but man, if he's not reliable and if he's not efficient um, and whether or not like there's uh, a problem with how they use Clyde versus Daryl, I, I don't, I don't really know what to say there, but honestly, I'm just excited that they seem to be recognizing that whether it's Clyde or Daryl, um, at least right now, uh, certainly after that Raiders game, they get that those running backs are probably better and more important than the receivers that are on this roster. Um, it's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and your next best assets, I think, are at running back. We certainly thought that that's what Clyde needed to be used as because he was a first round pick and he had this great set of receiving skills. We were saying this is the third option in the offense. It's the running back. Who cares about McColl and DeMarcus and everybody else? And frankly, I think with that we've seen, um, I mean, Daryl Williams' performance last night and probably a couple other performances that he's had this year, even as a backup, a, a spot starter because Clyde has gotten hurt, it's better than anything that most of those receivers have put on tape, except for Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And I think that just emphasizing them in the offense and keeping them involved throughout the game, even when Clyde comes back, keep using Daryl. Like, I, I think that that is the way that this offense should be operating going forward. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I was kind of talking with a buddy of mine who, who has both of them in fantasy, and he's just kind of asking me, like, what do you expect from them when Clyde comes back? And I was like, I, I, I think it'll be more of a timeshare now. Like, I think Clyde still starts, uh, but it'll be much closer to 50-50, whereas – you know, to start this year, it was kind of more like 80-20 Clyde, I want to say. Uh, but I want to say, especially early, I think that's going to stay like around 50-50, especially if if he's got a thing here with receiving. I mean, it's kind of weird looking at the stats. Darrell Williams only had 18 catches all of last year. And see, I kind of remember him playing on third downs most of the year. 
um, just because I was kind of tracking, I had Clyde in fantasy, I was kind of tracking that. And, I mean, we're all just kind of wondering as, as a whole, like, when are we going to unleash the Clyde receiving game? Uh, Darrell Williams already up to 31 catches this year. So he's on pace for 62 catches, essentially. Or no, I guess we're kind of past the halfway point. You know, 55 catches, call it, uh, as opposed to 18 last year. So it's, it's really kind of interesting to see that. And then with the receivers, uh, you're also kind of seeing a changing of the guard there um, with uh, both Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hartman snaps going down. And the two leading snaps for receivers in this game was Byron Pringle and Josh Gordon. Uh, it may not seem like it with Josh Gordon because he has, what, two targets in his Chiefs career now? Uh, but he's getting more and more snaps every week, and he's, he's out there a lot. We're just not throwing him the ball. So, I mean, that's kind of weird to see. You're also seeing more two tight end sets, which is something we kind of talked about. You know, the Chiefs like to go through receivers. They like what that brings to the game. But if your receivers aren't weapons, if the defense isn't scared of them, what are you really adding? Like, what are you, what are you adding having Demarcus Robinson out there for 80% of the snaps if he's catching one to two passes a game, like what is, what is he really adding here? Uh, so you're almost kind of seeing like a chief's response to that. Like, okay, we're, we're going to bury you down on the depth chart. Like DeMarcus, you're sitting more. Uh, Harmon, you're sitting more. And we're seeing these other guys. And Pringle had a nice little game last night. Uh, we always wanted to see more of him, but you know, who knows if he's better than those two. They all kind of seem about the same, but at least we're trying something. And, you know, maybe something comes of Josh Gordon. Maybe he has a breakout game here at some point, but it is interesting to see, uh, the snap counts uh, in its totality and how uh, the pecking order has kind of changed with the receivers. I mean, I don't know how to explain why I feel the way that I do, but I'll lay it out for you in terms of my thoughts on the wide receivers. Byron Pringle does not scare me as a Chiefs fan the way that McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson do. I don't trust either of those guys, and I feel like I trust Byron Pringle. It might be a smaller sample size, both more positive and hasn't had enough chances to like make all those dumb plays that the other two have. Yeah, I don't, but, I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a trusting Byron Pringle, but it's like a, I don't not trust him. Like right. I don't yeah. not like I don't trust Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman. But I don't not trust Pringle. I definitely don't trust McCole Hardman or Demarcus Robinson. I don't really need them on my team anymore at this point. I mean, technically we do, but I don't want them here. With Pringle, it's like, I'm undecided. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm lukewarm on Byron we'll Pringle. It. We'll take it. Yeah, I think, he is, I think he is better than the other two. The Josh Gordon thing, I saw he played, I think, 20 snaps. It felt like, especially early on, I was like, man, I keep seeing Josh Gordon out there. Um, he wasn't, like, particularly swell at blocking. I don't think – I don't have any memorable blocking moments. Um, <laughs> don't know if he was creating separation because he wasn't targeted. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about Josh Gordon. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I do think that from what we've seen – I feel like I have pretty good vibes coming off of Byron Pringle. I feel like when he's gotten snaps and gotten opportunities, he's done more with them than McColl and DeMarcus. Especially this year. I mean, we kind of went through DeMarcus Robinson's statistical fall off this year, despite having more snaps. Uh, I think we did that two weeks ago, but his stats just aren't the same as what they were the last couple of years. Uh, and, and I pulled up these snap counts. So we got Pringle at 46, 
Gordon at 33, DeMarcus at 26, and Harbin down at 24. Um, and then you got the tight ends, Noah Gray at 25 uh, and Blake Bell at 24. Uh, so you're just seeing, I mean, a lot more mixture of personnel. And maybe some of that's because it's a blowout in the fourth quarter, and I don't really remember what they're doing on those last drive or two. So maybe that kind of uh, has altered things here into uh, changing my perception. But it's, you know, DeMarcus Robinson, was, he was up there like 80% of snaps for the first, you know, six, seven weeks or so. So there's clearly been – some kind of a change in the wide receiver room where he's fallen off and these other guys have raised it. You're telling me that you don't remember what they were doing on the last couple drives. You mean like the touchdown to Noah Gray, you know, maybe <laughs> revealing of him having been on the field at the end of the game, possibly. How could you um, miss it? They went to him over and over. How could you miss it? I I loved the Noah Gray touchdown. Um, it it was just super fun. I felt like Mahomes threw it behind him and Noah Gray still brought it in. It felt great. I heard, I never saw, but I heard he shotgunned the football. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. He <laughs> shotgunned it good. Okay, so a Noah Gray is a celebration. Guy. A lot of celebrations coming from the Chiefs last night. A whole lot, a whole, whole bevy of celebrations. Like they had them all saved up for the whole year, and they finally got to unleash all of them. We had Nadi doing it. We had Kelsey with a choreographed dance after after the game. Uh, I mean, just endless. endless. We had Darrell Williams doing too small to Abram. Um, man, just a whole bevy of celebrations. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's deserved because of the Chiefs' angst. Not just the Chiefs fans, but the Chiefs players themselves. We've got some pent up aggression. These last few weeks have been so frustrating that everybody like really earned that kind of celebratory experience and man, it felt sweet to be against the Raiders, but here not so chiefs angst. It's back. It's back, baby. We got back. Chiefs angst. It's back. Um, and you, you know, know what, what it, it all felt like, hold on, hold on. You know what it all felt like? It all hmm. felt like the chiefs taking a victory lap around the Raiders stadium, which <laughs> last year we couldn't wait to say how we were above that. And yet, here we go. Nine bad games. Give us that victory lap, baby. Give we us that victory our, lap. We took our victory lap on the field during the game, not afterward in the bus. No, down yeah. the strip. We took a victory lap down the strip is what I've I've been told. From, from some key sources in Vegas, the Chiefs bus went up and down the strip uh, with, you know, waving shirts out the window, uh, slamming beers, all, all that kind of good stuff. That That is a fact. That happened. Okay, as long as they didn't end up partying in Vegas all night and they got home safe and sound and are planning to beat the Cowboys next week, I'm fine. That's what I'm hoping for. But listen. A real, a real quick end cap here, uh, talking about cover two, cover three. The Cowboys also come from the cover three uh, tree. Um, so they are kind of in the same position where they could be playing either the defense they typically play, which fits the Chiefs' strengths, or it's a defense they're kind of uncomfortable with, not used to playing, and but it's the defense that's had success against the Chiefs. So something, you know, something big to keep your eye on for that huge, huge, huge game next week. Bring it on, Dan Quinn. Not scared of you, Dan Quinn, medicine woman. Um, look, Chiefs angst, fully back. You know what else is back? My superstitions, and they're working. I didn't wear black anything all week for the Raiders game. I was picking out the numbers on the microwave for what 
what Chiefs players I wanted to do well. I was picking out numbers in my alarm clock when I'm setting it for Chiefs players that I want to do well. And who, who are your numbers now? Who are your, who's your go-to? Noah Gray? Um, a little, so, little 24, a little Melvin Ingram 24 action? I've, I've been doing some 24. I've been doing some 50 Whoa. and 54. Um, I wish that Willie Gay wasn't apparently blowing chunks on the sideline. Uh, yeah, what's with two, two Chiefs randomly getting sick during the game? Uh, you rarely see the uh, the questionable tag pulled for an injury illness, and yet we had Stomach two players. For both of them. Uh, you know, is that the Vegas effect? Is that the uh, the effect of playing in Vegas after a Saturday night? That's kind of an NBA thing, but, uh, <laughs> you know, pay attention to what city they're in the night before, like what night it is. But uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe they just ate too many of the shrimp cocktail from the buffet, wherever they were at. I can try to make Vegas jokes, but I've never been there. They're not going to be good. They're probably all from swingers. Um, so you beautiful, I, baby. I would say I do so need to money, apologize baby. to Willie Gay for the, the repetitive 50s, that 5.50 a.m. alarm, rocking that one. <laughs> A lot of 54 in there for Bolton, some 55 in there for my guy, Frank. Maybe an occasional, if I'm feeling frisky, a 51 for Mike Dana. Lots of the 50s. I'm in the 50s. I haven't done a 57 yet. And he deserves it after the way he played against Yannick Ngakwe. Let's talk about this Chiefs offensive line. Well, first, I'm not sure if any of the players you named actually had good games. So I'm not sure if your superstitions worked or, you know, if it's just. We won. We won 41 to 14. They're working. That's true. Everything everything counts. The line between winning and losing, like, imagine the game is tied and Mahomes has a wide open Demarcus Robinson and he he bypasses that to throw a 40-yard jump ball to a running back in the end zone. And it's Darrell Williams. We're all like. What the fuck are you doing, Mahomes? What are you doing? But, you know, you're up two touchdowns, and he catches it. Best play of the year. Best play of the year. Mahomes is back. He's back, baby. So, Chiefs offensive line. Before the game, in last week's amateur hour, I said, like, you should just be prepared that the speed rush of Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe you know, pioneered and authored by Gus Bradley. The way that this team plays, man, the tackles are really going to struggle with speed. And I hadn't even considered the fact that we were going to have to start Andrew Wiley. I did not know that both Rimmers was going to end up on IR and Niang was going to be an unhealthy, inactive. But man, Andrew Wiley against his old college teammate looked great at right tackle. Great enough, I will say. Um, he, he probably you look perfect, perfect enough, perfect enough, perfect enough. Um, I mean, how about this? In order to talk about the offensive line, um, something else that's back, something else that's back, baby. You know what's back, Dirk? The stats. The stats are back. They're good again, and boy, are they looking good. Um, the the Chiefs offensive line stat that I saw, I haven't seen the final number. I believe throughout that game against the Raiders, zero sacks and three pressures. And it was on something around 55-ish dropbacks through that game. Um, lots of opportunities for the Raiders to get after Patrick Mahomes and these power tackles not speed tackles and uh 
boy, they really held their own. What a, what a performance from the offensive line. Yeah, I, I was actually uh, setting an alarm for 20 all week because my dear friend Ryan Scott Hall guaranteed that the Chiefs were not scoring 20 points in this game. So <laughs> I was putting that right. as the benchmark. 20, that's, that's the number I was using all week. Um, but yeah, Andrew Wiley, uh, he had a couple of perfect holding calls that did not get called. That was nice. Um, but really, I mean, held his own. I mean, against two really good tackles. And it just made me think, you know, I mean, we were kind of scared of Wiley going up against them and, you know, for good reason. But I think you can really scheme around one bad offensive tackle. Think about the Chiefs last year. Mitch Schwartz goes out and you don't really see a huge fall off. You know, the Chiefs, Andy Reid can cover up one bad tackle. But as soon as Fisher got hurt and then we go into that Super Bowl with both tackles, you know, being liabilities, that was too much. So I feel like you can cover up for having one bad tackle. And I'm not trying to say Andrew Wiley's bad. He kind of, I, I like how he can fill in at like any position on the line. He's, he played, he has value to the team. Um, and, he, and he played well last night. I, I did like that he was going up against his college teammate. That kind of gave me some, some confidence. Like, oh man, this guy's seen him quite a bit. Like he kind of knows his moves. Uh, so I, I kind of like that. But it made me harken back to that uh, Super Bowl where, you know, the Chiefs offensive line was fine until Fisher went out and that just kind of crumpled the entire offensive line. Like that, that made the whole offensive line. It was just the straw. Is it the straw on the camel's back? Is that the uh, phrase I'm looking for? Um, and so that kind of crushed the whole offensive line, but one bad tackle, I, I assume we were doing a lot of chipping and stuff and kind of helping them out, but really, I mean, Crosby and, and Yannick, uh, were not big factors in that game. And, and also I would say, you know, Mahomes getting the ball out in rhythm. Like Mahomes not just sitting in the pocket and, and you know waiting for pressure to get on him, getting the ball out quickly. A lot of those throws. So that goes to say like there's there's open receivers, which kind of goes back into the cover three, cover two discussion of you know he's seeing people open and he's playing more confidence coming. You know, I'm just an amateur, but when I watched Mahomes last night, he looked like he was trying to make a point of standing in the pocket and not dropping super deep. I think he was like, I mean, I heard him say in his press conference after the game, he's like, I have a different like style of drop back and style of play than a lot of quarterbacks. Um, and he essentially said like, I'm tough to block for. And so we're kind of learning about each other, strengths and weaknesses, what his tackles can do, and then they need to know where he's going to be like that's it's a concert, man. Those guys have to work together and it is largely choreographed. Um, and so with Mahomes constantly going off script and you don't necessarily want to take any of that away from him. Um, it, it can be a challenge, I think, to block for a guy like that. But they definitely looked sharp last night and it seemed like he was pretty comfortable. And I will say real quick. It also seemed like specifically with Crosby, they were doing a lot of the same stuff uh, that was being done against Miles Garrett earlier in the afternoon by the Patriots, where they were basically like not just chipping him, but they were also doing like a lot of screens, like get up field, beat your guy, and then we're going to frustrate you by throwing right into the spot where you just were. Which is, which is fantastic. I and, mean, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you – you know, expect to see from Andy Reid. Like, okay, we have a liability tackle going against a great DN. He's going to want to get upfield. He's going to want to pressure the quarterback. He knows how to beat that. Like Andy Reid, that's, that's why 
That's why the struggles have been so surprising because Andy Reid should have the answers to almost everything. Like this guy lives and breathes football. He's been coaching for 22 years straight and not, not just coaching. He's been at the top of his profession. Uh, you know, I mean, he might struggle in some areas, but, you know, figuring out a defense and knowing how to attack it is not one of those, which is what made the last couple of weeks all the more shocking. Um, so, you know, it wasn't surprising to see him have that plan and to have success against in an area like that. Uh, but it was incredibly refreshing to see. I'll say that. Uh, there was an interesting quote uh, before we get off the offense here and then swing it back towards Mahomes a little bit. But a, a quote from Andy Reid, um, you know, the quote of Pats lasted longer than any quarterback in the history of the game without a slump. Reid knew Mahomes would get through what he was fighting on the field. Like he makes a, a really good point that's just like, it was just weird. We hadn't seen it from Mahomes, but, you know, it was going to come eventually. Like every single quarterback is going to have a slump. We just had never seen it from Mahomes. It was almost like Andy was just kind of acknowledging like, yes, we did actually finally see it, but you're seeing Mahomes get through it now. Like, yes, he was struggling for a few weeks in there. His confidence might have been shot, but, you know, we're getting back to that. And a lot of that is his work in the pocket. I saw Seth, uh, our guy Seth Kaiser, uh, you know, tweet about it. Second week in a row, the Mahomes pocket movement was excellent and vastly improved over earlier in the year. Like, mm. like it's almost like he was struggling, so they had to go back to the drawing board. They had to, like, kind of reteach him some things. Like, well, this is what you're doing bad. If you can improve on this. And it kind of took, like, a few weeks to get it going. Like, everything's been so natural for Mahomes. Like, he, he didn't have to think about this stuff. You just, you just go out there and sling touchdowns. Well, all of a sudden, you start struggling. Like, okay, how can we fix this? Well, you're going to have to fix the pocket movement. Like I know it hasn't really been an issue for you. You've kind of, you know, been, you've been above it. You've been over to overcome it your entire career, but now we might actually have to work on this. And he's showing signs of progress there now. Yeah. You know, I, I was obviously impressed with him last night, 400 yards and five touchdown passes. And, and the thing that I heard in the little bit of like post-game press that I've been able to listen to in these last you know, less than 24 hours at this point. Um, Tyreek said, hey, 41's great, but we could have scored 60. And he's not wrong because Pat, no, regardless of how good he looked, yeah, we are back. You're correct. <laughs> um, listen, Pat missed three deep shots where the guy was open, overthrew oh, three of them. And, and that is not something to focus on other than to tell you how hot just how spicy the Chiefs were last night because they put up 41 despite missing three wide open long balls. And maybe that's where Mahomes is off a little bit or the timing of his receivers or what. There's something that's not quite clicking all the way downfield like that. But man, they still looked brilliant. I, I, I don't know how you can complain about much of anything that the offense did last night. And, and another big thing, and one thing I've been harping on all season, is once one mistake happens, it snowballs. And here comes more. Here comes more, and they lose their confidence. Well, we have this punt return. He fumbles it. We have a turnover. Like, oh, fuck, a fucking punter forces a fumble against the Chiefs. Oh, my God, another weird turnover. Are they going to fall back into the shell and start worrying about turning over more? Nope. They overcame it. They didn't freak out. They stayed true. And, and, and that's just – another sign that the, the, they've overcoming the problems that they've had in the last couple of weeks. 
Well, and even on top of that, they were able to take a punch from the Raiders because that fumble leads to a Raiders touchdown drive because they only had to go 50 yards. They had a short field on it. So the Raiders go down and score and the offense still doesn't cave. You know, like there were a couple different moments in that game where the offense or the defense could have just like, man, relinquished to the pressure, right? The Raiders are, are knocking on the doorstep and ultimately the Chiefs were able to pull away. It just showed that I, I really do feel like this team is developing. They are getting better. I heard today, was in the car on the way home and heard a stat that the Chiefs were averaging 33 points allowed on defense through the first five games. And they are now half of that, like 16 a game over the last five. Um, I mean, that's, that's right in front of your face. Suddenly the defense is playing a lot better. And after the struggles of the last few weeks on offense, they get out there and pop like that last night. I mean, this team, even if it was just the opponent, you know, um, and, and all these other factors that could be playing into that, they they looked back, baby. They looked back. And, and let's not skip over uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was kind of I was kind of trying to get the point across. Like I know it was brutal to watch this team play the New York Giants. I know that game was not pretty, but the win was extremely important. All you got to do is tread water. You're not going to win the Super Bowl in October. You're not going to win it in November, but you have to stay alive. You have to get to January. And so you got to win games like that, even though, I mean, if, look, if you ask Chiefs fans, middle of that fourth quarter against the Giants, they just throw their hands up. Like, I don't care if we win because I don't want to watch this product. Like, this game sucks. The team sucks right now. I just, I just want to kind of want to blow it up. Like, I don't care if they lose because they deserve to lose. Like, you're just mad. And it seems like it doesn't matter at all in, in the moment. But they eked out the win. They got the win. They gave themselves a chance. They treaded water. And now they're showing signs of life. They're starting to swim. Like, that's what you needed. Those last two wins against Daniel Jones and Jordan Love, Jordan Love kept the season alive. And now the Chiefs in a beautiful spot where they're back atop the AFC West, only trailing one team in the AFC and wins. And, and looking like the playoffs are, are definitely coming once again. So just, just don't forget about those two weeks, as ugly as they were, how important it was for the Chiefs to get a win. And a deep, the defense, the number one factor in that, because the defense won those games for us. You know, another possible explanation for the result last night is that it just happened to be a road game against an AFC West opponent. Because apparently, Mahomes is now 11-0. and undefeated on the road against the AFC West. How about it? We're back on the road against the AFC West, baby. Back in another way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can wear this out by, by podcasting. Yeah, you know, never know. See, this is the difference. See, we couldn't be doing this on a Wednesday. <clears throat> we couldn't be just sitting here screaming back on a Wednesday because by then it's already played. See, we're, <laughs> we got here on Monday. We got here early. We put in the work today. And now we get to celebrate. Also, um, that did you, Joe Montana had fucking 20 straight road wins in the division. What the <laughs> fuck? 20 straight road division wins? Like, I thought 11 was amazing. 20? I don't care how bad the division was. Look at Tom Brady's division. Year after year, he's played. He's, he, he never even got to 11. 20? So, 20 for Joe Montana. I mean, amazing. If you think about some of the historically bad Cardinals teams, uh, they've long been in that division. The Seahawks weren't 
in that era. They were in the AFC West. No, yeah, it used to be a so, much different division with the Saints and the Falcons. They used to be – their division used to be a lot different. Oh, okay. And some some really bad, really bad teams in there, I would think, for Montana and Rice. I, I would assume so. I hope so. My God. 20 straight on the road. That's – what is that, five seasons worth of games or something? Didn't lose a road game? That's pretty sweet. Um, I, I, I think – that we should give the defense some flowers here. Um, I, I think about the performances that we have been seeing strung together by this defense. And it's like every week, different guys are making plays for them. And they certainly have guys that are being consistent. Um, but man, like one of the players that has emerged, a guy that I think both of us have always liked when he's gotten shots, but he's never been able to play consistently. Either the Chiefs didn't think he was ready or up to it. But my God, Rashad Fenton, like give him a contract extension. This guy is, and, and maybe it's just the contract year is undefeated, but like keep Rashad Fenton, please. All right. Is, it, is, is his contract up? Well, so I think he was a six-rounder, so you only get three years of cost control. He might maybe be like a restricted free agent after the year yeah, or something. You get, you get one year of restricted if, if it's a late pick like that. So you get four years of control, basically. Okay. Well, Rashad Fenton's going to get a pay raise. He will be back next year. Um, I mean, God, I just – I really like what we're seeing out of Rashad Fenton. Feisty, not giving up on plays, doing the – the reverse peanut punch against Deshaun Jackson, stripping that ball out. Um, I, I just well, well, I don't. Did he reverse or did Deshaun reverse? I mean, what what's the reverse there? Deshaun Deshaun kicked it into reverse for, for whatever reason. He's like, check out this backwards three sixty as I spin through the end zone. Like I think uh, Deshaun was a little confused there. It, it might like have been Demarcus Robinson in a Raiders uniform at that moment. I can't be completely sure, uh, but. A, a really weird turn of events here and we can't we shouldn't skip over like the luck kind of swinging back towards the chiefs way in this one uh so i mean the chiefs the chiefs are overcoming a lot and one of the things was luck not going their way for most of the year uh and last night you kind of saw a swing i mean tyreek fumbles the ball and just picks it up right back in, in stride again uh, mahomes did have a couple of dropped interceptions in there uh, that deshaun jackson weird fumble the darrell williams weird catch i mean luck kind of it seemed like things are swinging back their way and it almost started like the last couple of weeks just with afc teams to start dropping like flies like it almost started like without them even on the field the luck started swinging their way again. and rogers obviously like things things starting to go their way over the last couple of weeks yeah and um and rashad fenton too <laughs> and rashad fenton i'm i i'm totally with you um not uh not to be forgotten what feels like a change in luck. I mean, I think at one point in the game, after that that Tyreek fumble, I was like, wait, in 2021? Like, that just happened? I mean, it felt out of character for the way that games have gone, and it was certainly exciting to see that uh, the ball was quite literally bouncing our way again. Um, I mean, if you think about, on top of that, dude, the the Tommy Townsend fake punt. Uh, I don't. I I could very easily go back and look. I'm not going to, but I'm pretty sure we were up by like 
two scores, three scores at that point. I don't think it was close. 13. I think it was 27-14 at the big buck. So I'm just like, how about it? Hang them out there, man. He looked good. Like it's uh the Rams have kind of turned into a little bit of a weapon because their their punter can throw. Uh Hecker, uh, he can throw pretty well. So they run a lot of fake punts. Uh, if Townsend can throw like that, I mean, that's a that's a tough-ass play to stop if you're a gunner. Uh, I mean, you're focused so much on blocking, trying not to block in the back. You don't even see – I mean, you're kind of just running with the guy down the field usually. You don't even think that he's going to stop for a pass. He, when he probably stops, he's like, what the hell is he doing? Like, what was what, what he doing? And all of a sudden he has the ball. Like, that's got to be confusing for the gunner. And it's just a tough play to stop. Um, so that was that was nice. Um, and good to see. I mean, just added to the to the fun of the night overall. Uh, it's not tough to stop if your name is Marcus Kemp or Chris Lamans, our special teams superstars. I'm sure that they would play that perfectly. I don't yeah, doubt it one bit. Is this based off something or just just that's, your... just that's just me trying to hype up my my special teams. Special teams are back. They're back. You Uncle know, Dave is back. You know who would stop it? a fake punt specialist stopper who is also back. Dirty Dan, Mr. Sorensen. There's no way that happens on his watch. I think, do you think Juan Thornhill let him have the pick? Because it's like, hey man, you, you really need this one. Like you need, you need something to go your way here. You take it, bro. You take, he's kind of like coddled it into his arms. So they had four hands kind of bringing it in. He just like, kind of catches it and places it in Sorensen's chest. I think that's what happened. I mean, everybody was playing pretty well. Like even Armani Watts gets out there at safety and, and puts some nice reps on tape too. Like they were just, they were really firing. I do think that your theory about Thornhill being like, Hey, Dan, look, you need this more than me. All right. Thanksgiving is coming up next week. Like I'm just going to let you have this one, bro, because we know how bad it's been. I believe Daniel Sorensen is rated by pro football focus as the single worst defender in the NFL, regardless of position, lowest possible score. He's allowing, at least prior to the Raiders game, a perfect passer rating. Teams were like 25 of 29 for 300 and something yards and five touchdowns, all these penalties and stuff on top of it. Like it's, it's been brutal. And I don't think that that interception, to be honest, meant much of anything. I'm glad that people were able to go rub him on the head and he was able to get excited. And I'm oh, sure yeah. that Steve Spagnolo sent him a gift basket this morning. How about it, buddy? We're back. We're back, Danny. <laughs> he was definitely cheesing from the camera. I just, I just wish I could hear every Chiefs fan from around the country like, yeah, yeah, you better enjoy it now, Sorensen. Next week, we're coming, we're coming right back for your throat. It would be funny if that was like the week that he gets benched because like Watts kind of came in on defense and showed some things like, hey, maybe he can play on defense. Like Sorensen finally gets a good play to go his way. Maybe that was like his final curtain call. Like, like he gets one last moment uh, and then we kind of take him out to like a standing ovation from the crowd. And it's like, okay, let's have it here for Dirty Dan. He's now retiring. Yeah. Next week against the Cowboys, healthy and active. That's, hey, all right, Dan, we got you one more. We got you that last one. Good for you. So on the defense, let's talk about the run defense, which is dominant out of nowhere. Uh, Raiders, 50 rushing yards in the game. 18 of those came from Carr. Uh, So that's only 32 yards from the running backs. Uh, It felt like every single handoff was just a wasted play. Like, didn't 
there's no room. They didn't have a chance, just running into a line, maybe getting two yards and falling down. Um, over the last eight weeks, they have allowed 93 yards rushing per game, uh, which would rank sixth in the NFL over the whole season. Um, so, so basically I, out, out outside of the Ravens and Browns. We started the year with those first two impeccable and fully healthy at the time, uh, not necessarily for the Ravens, I guess, um, but certainly a, a healthy Browns backfield at that time. Um, and so after those two games, they've held everybody else. Like the Chiefs still haven't allowed a hundred yard rusher this year, uh, but it sounds like over the last eight weeks, they haven't even allowed a team to go over a hundred yards rushing. Oh, well, they have a few times, but oh, averaging uh, less than <laughs> whatever. That's just how I'm reading that stat. Oh, they average less than 100. They haven't given up 100. Cool. The Ravens put up 251 rushing yards. It seems impossible because their run defense isn't anything like it was like last year. Mm. Let's see, Tyson 77, Latavius 36, the Freeman 29, Lamar 107. So I guess that leans to it. Uh, but I don't even know. I don't, where does credit for this go? Like the easy answer a couple weeks ago would have been hey, it's because Nick Bolton's in the lineup. But now Nick Bolton's kind of taking a back seat. Like, he's not really even getting in there that much. Hitchens is back in, and it stayed like a good run defense. You know, I don't – we haven't had a good run defense for years, nor have we really tried. Like, it's just not been high on our priority list. We kind of always welcome teams to run it against us. And now all of a sudden, with not much personnel change, I mean, Jaron Reed up the middle. I mean, I guess the linebackers are new around Hitchens. Uh, I, I don't know where this – I don't know where it's come from. I don't know where credit is due for this turnaround for run defense. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of in that same position where it's like, I don't, I don't really know what the explanation for it is because I mean, even if you think about um, if you want to say that like changes over the last few games, Oh, Hey, Chris Jones back at defensive tackle, Chris Jones, notoriously disinterested in like doing his job in the run game, unless it's a flash play. Um, I mean, possible explanation for last night doing well against the Raiders was the first quarter snot bubbler from one Melvin Ingram. Holy crap. That collision, the sound on TV, the way that he just kind of like, yeah, bitched whoever that was that he hit. Oh my gosh. That was maybe my favorite moment of the entire game. Um, they're certainly, if nothing else, defensively against the run, they're playing with confidence. They're playing fast. And, and like, God, they're playing with an edge. I love that defense, man. I love this team. They're All right, how about you? Are you ready for a, a deep dive on the fly? An <laughs> on-the-fly deep dive, a little, a little drive-by uh, drive deep dive, that's what we're going to call it. Their run defense ranks uh, going backwards. Last year, 21st, then 26th, 27th, 25th, 26th. Then they had a random year, 2015, they were 8th, and then 28th, 22nd, and that's been the Andy Reid era. They're in the 20s every single year. Uh, now, right now, they're only 18th in yards. This is just yards allowed per game. They're 18th right now. But obviously, we've, we kind of showed the last two weeks, or the first two weeks is where most of those came from. And the last eight weeks, they've been a different rush defense unit. So I just, it's it's crazy to see. It, it was totally unexpected. I don't even know if the Chiefs were, were aiming for that. Like, I don't even know if this is on their, you know, to-do list. And it just kind of happened. So that's, that's an interesting moment. What's that saying? Is it like, Two is a coincidence, but three is a trend or something like that. Sounds right. I mean, the Chiefs are at a streak of five straight games where they've really done well for at least a half. 
like having a shutout for a half defensively. Um, and if you're talking about specifically the run defense, I mean, they're on a streak of eight straight games where they're essentially averaging allowing less than a hundred yards on the ground. Um, people are starting to catch up to the chiefs being good on defense. Um, it seems like the narrative is changing. And I will say again, we were first, but I do think that people are recognizing that this defense needs to be taken somewhat seriously. Now, there are some explanations about Daniel Jones and the Giants or Jordan Love and the Packers or the potentially toothless deep threat Raiders. Um, and semantics. And List semantics. I will, I will say, I will eat my crow today on our podcast last week. I spent all this time talking about how I would match up on defense and said, I don't care about Brian Edwards. He doesn't scare me. Proceeded to, <laughs> proceeded to have a nice catch and run for a touchdown in that game. And it was kind of close at the time. It was when the Raiders got their second touchdown. And I was like, oh, shoot, Brian Edwards <laughs> making me look bad. Um, you know, famous last words from me, Brian Edwards doesn't scare me. Uh, but they, they really pulled it together defensively and I think one of the things that really stood out to me was that we got a couple different drives that game where our defensive line just wrecked the series the offense couldn't do anything because of how the defensive line played you want to talk about back how about Chris Jones batting balls down at the line of scrimmage you want to talk about back? How about Derek Carr panicking under pressure? And even though we don't get to him, he's doing these throwing the ball 100 feet in the air, making poor decisions about what he's going to do there. I mean, he, he the Raiders were fully back. And that is actually a decent question posed by Ben Albright either last night or today. Are the Chiefs back or are the Raiders back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah some of those passes I mean the one that didn't get picked off and just kind of it went about what 25 yards and just landed like between the hash marks in the middle of the field that was like <laughs> that was like the definition of an air punch. what are you doing man I can't believe nobody was there like how could nobody that thing was in the air for at least five seconds and nobody could get to that ball like it was just waiting for someone to come down with that pick uh but yeah Derek Carr with a couple uh, a couple floaters up there that were, whoo, those were not pretty. Uh, and let's talk about the uh, third down defense. Mm. A couple stats here on the third down defense. Last two weeks, Chiefs defense allowing three of 21 uh, third down attempts. That is a 14% the last couple weeks. Um, so that's nice. And then the stat from uh, Craig Stout from last night that was a real fun one. On third downs, the Raiders accumulated a total of negative three yards of offense against the Chiefs last night. Mm. So, you know. Weren't they like one of seven or one of eight? Uh, I assume so. I can get it here pretty I think quick. It was, I think it was really bad. Third and down defense is just – that's where games are, are won and lost. One of nine from the Raiders last night. Um, the Chiefs, I just checked, they're up to 16th. Uh, in the in the league right now but you know like all the other stats it's been you know a lot better the last couple of weeks obviously with the stat I just gave um, and, and catching up from early in the year when they seemed like maybe the worst defense of all time like the turnaround of the defense we're all kind of celebrating the turnaround of the offense 
that should have been pretty expected given the, you know, the suspects, the lineup that we got over there. Like everyone could see that coming. The turnaround of the defense. I don't, you ask anybody five weeks ago, I don't think anybody thought they could be playing this well, you know, that quickly, you know, five, six weeks later for this team, this defense to be playing as good as it is now. It's just unbelievable. And it's, and it's really, I think it's really pretty easy to figure out once they get a pass rush, it's a totally different defense. Like I hate to boil it down to that, but even on the Raiders good drive last night, you know, the pass rush didn't get there. They didn't do anything. They weren't, they weren't disrupting anything. And I was like, where's the pass rush? And that was like an easy drive. And then the rest of the game, the pass rush just takes over. And so the whole, the key to the rest of the season, keep Frank healthy, keep Jones healthy, keep Ingram healthy, just keep those three. And if you have those three rabid dogs going after quarterback, this defense is going to be in good shape. And the, the fun part and where I think at the beginning of the year, people were excited with good reason about what this defense could potentially do was, you know, outside of those three guys and Ingram, obviously a very recent addition. Um, but I love you, him. But Man, you, I love him. you still saw, I mean, Jaron Reed got his first sack. Um, you know, hopefully something kind of, kind of breaks loose for him there. And, um, that, that can continue a guy that has had double digit sacks in a season, I believe, um, like one of the, the better, at least stat accumulators at defensive tackle over the last handful of years. Um, but we also have a guy like Treshawn Wharton who created a ton of pressure last year as a rookie undrafted from some directional technical Missouri school. Um, and so I'm thinking, you know, that this guy's going to be taking a step forward. And then when you're needing to give guys a breather, we've got Mike Dana that can come on the field. And, you know, like this, it seems like there's so much depth along that line that Spagnolo can constantly keep these guys fresh and keep them going. And I, I will mention again, you know, when we, when we think about the way that this team was designed on paper, it's the offense going out and being really efficient and scoring a ton of points and the defense only needing to make a few stops in the game. The expectation of the defense is not that high. And so it worked that they could be the highest paid defense in the league or whatever on the backs of huge contracts for a defensive tackle and a defensive end. And so if Chris Jones and Frank Clark, we could say the pass rush as a whole, if Chris Jones and Frank Clark are paying or sorry, are playing like up to what they're being paid for, if they're playing at that level, then your defense is going to be good. And it's quite literally designed that way. On paper, we can get frustrated when they're looking bad and Frank Clark isn't worth the highest non-quarterback salary in the league. But man, if Frank is earning it, if he's out there playing like that, and Chris Jones is out there playing like that, and these are guys are at a pro bowl, all pro level, then it's, then it's beautiful. I mean, it, it's it's really fun to watch when, you know, there's there's a couple different drives last night, and we've seen this so many times before. We're like, well, we're Chris Jones is just going to wreck this game right now. Two or three straight plays, you're not going to be able to do anything, and you're going to punt. And he can just do that. Frank Clark can do that. Tyron Matthew can't do that, the, you know, the same way, but, like, he can change games like that. And now having a guy like Melvin Ingram in the mix that can potentially do that too – um, dude, that, that defense, I'm telling I watch out. I, I am, however, a little bit worried about what it's going to look like against a team like Dallas, 
Let's uh, let's think about this game a little bit before we get out of here because that offense for Dallas, man, I mean, they can run the ball, both power with Zeke and getting out to the edge and doing fun stuff with Tony Pollard. Both of those guys can catch. Both of those guys can pass protect. Schultz at tight end, kind of a forgotten man sometimes. Dalton Schultz is the perfect kind of guy for us to – forget, oh, well, hey, maybe we can just put Dan Sorensen on him and watch Sorensen get destroyed, right? And then they have three receivers and Gallup is back. He had a decent game against Atlanta on Sunday, but you're talking about top flight wide receivers. This is not Brian Edwards. This is not Deshaun Jackson. This is not Hunter Renfro, all right? And and whatever, Flowers to Renfro, he's fine. Um, but this is this is a talented group of guys that individually one-on-one like we can get by sometimes but man and their offensive line ain't bad either like this is i think that if if the chiefs are are fully back then this is going to be that type of shootout game and and i don't i don't need to necessarily worry about the defense other than can you get a couple stops we can go back to that formula but i i think that this this game is probably going to tell us even more than what we thought this game against the Raiders might uh, because Dallas seems like a truly very tough, very legitimate opponent. And, and neither team has a whole lot on one another, the way that that familiarity against the Raiders is, is coming into play for the chiefs. Oh yeah. I mean, the Cowboys are very good. Uh, I would say top five in the NFL and which, which all five might actually be in the NFC. Um, so the Chiefs haven't really seen anyone like this yet. Maybe they would have with the Packers with Rodgers, but they they lucked out there. Um, so yeah, this will this might be the best team that they play all season uh, when you look at it. Um, and it, one thing that just came to mind, you mentioned the offensive line, and my mind immediately went to Tyron Smith. I don't really keep up with the status too much, but I knew he was battling an injury. It looks like he has not played since Week Eight uh, okay. when he went down in that game against Minnesota. And just to, I have pro football reference here, which I, I don't fully trust on their injury report, but it says did not practice for Tyron Smith. And I know there's some stats out there that the Cowboys offense has kind of gone to shit in the past when they do not have Tyron Smith. Like that was, I was betting big on the Cowboys last year. And that was kind of like their number one problem. It was like, they didn't have Tyron Smith. And like, there's these, some stats for them, like when he's there and when he's not, it's a whole, whole different offense. I think they uh, lost Zach Martin last year too, who's like, one of the best interior offensive linemen in the league. So since that point, let's look at it here. They beat the Vikings 20 to 16. I didn't really watch that game. Uh, That was the Cooper Rush game. So they didn't have have Dak on that one. They put up 20. Who knows? Tyron went down about halfway through that game, it looks like. Then they get smoked by the Broncos without Tyron Smith. And then they put up 43 on the Falcons. So obviously they had it it working last week, um, but struggled against the Broncos. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I mean, what, like you mentioned, they got weapons all over the place. The receivers, probably the best. Tr- now, nah, I guess Buccaneers probably have the best trio in the league, but Cowboys right behind them. Um, the the two headed running back. Uh, yeah, it's it's just they're loaded on offense. The defense, they're kind of like us. I mean, they're built to win like us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're supposed to have a top five offense and they're hoping for a league average defense that can make some plays. And they've made a lot of plays this year, uh, especially they even have their own Marcus Peters clone. Um, with Trayvon Diggs, who has all these stats about his getting beaten coverage nonstop. He's very susceptible to the double move. 
but he also has like eight interceptions, I think, on the season. So it's just like, you know, I, I, can't, I just assume he's a bad tackler or at least an unwilling tackler just to con- keep the comparisons going. I'm not going to fact check that whatsoever. I think he's just the exact same player. Um, so, so he's a guy to keep an eye on. But, yeah, it's an interesting matchup against the Cowboys. Um, and and one, I mean, one more... to... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to change something. Go they, they've been able to defensively generate some pass rush even without Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence coming into the season, their best defensive player, their highest paid defensive player, um, a, a guy that a lot of Chiefs fans, myself included, wanted the Chiefs to take, and he's really blossomed in Dallas. Um, I, I look at what they've been able to do with the likes of your guy, Randy Gregory, um, and, and Micah Parsons, who you know came to Penn State as a pass rusher, moved to that like middle linebacker and, and looked like that, you know, prototypical crazy athletic LeVar Arrington, Penn State running the, you know, running sideline to sideline linebacker. And he's been great rushing. He's, he's arguably their best pass rusher this year. Um, he's, he's seemingly been dominant at two different positions this year. So I don't, he, yeah. he seems like a, a freak athlete. Um, like the guy you mentioned, Randy Gregory, I thought I saw something that he was hurt as well. He was out against the Falcons, but I think that that was the first game that he had missed. Okay. Yeah. He, he's a weird one, man. He was extremely talented. He's out of all kinds of legal troubles. Like he was at Nebraska for those who don't know. And he was, he was a freak. I, I would watch him every week. Just like this dude's a first round pick. Like I don't, Nebraska was bad at that point. So I was like, I don't, I don't think anyone's watching, but man, Randy Gregory is a freak. And it took him about eight years to finally blossom in the NFL, but he's finally uh, put together a good year here. But yeah, I mean, just stars up and down the lineup. This is going to be probably the highest rated NFL game of the season. Um, You basically have the NFL's biggest team uh, coming into the NFL's best stadium uh, to play the NFL's best player. Um, So this is about as big as it gets. Uh, it's going to be in that three o'clock window all by itself. I think the whole country is going to get it. It's going to slay the ratings. Uh, I know Chiefs and Packers ratings a couple weeks ago, even without Rodgers, was one of the top five rated games of the year. Uh, and the Cowboys bring ratings by themselves. I mean, even when they're bad, they bring ratings. So uh, ratings for this game are going to be out of control. This is going to be that huge matchup. Like everybody wanted with Rodgers. You know, we were kind of celebrating because we needed the win at that time. Well, I mean, to be honest, we we could take a loss at this point. So, I mean, I'm I'm kind of feeling the big game skeptical spectacle spectacle for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm fucking pumped. Uh, it's it's gonna be awesome. I, I'm pumped, pumped. Yeah, I mean, I I think that both at the beginning of the year, and I think even the way that it's played out, especially with the big time bounce back games, even though the Chiefs were coming off a win. Um, unimpressive couple of weeks seeing uh, both Dallas and Kansas City really put it to the Falcons and Raiders this week. I, I think that CBS, this might have been like their marquee game of the year. This is our best afternoon game, week 10, Chiefs, Cowboys. Like we got Tony on the call. It's going to be amazing. Um, I, I have a feeling that this was maybe like one of their tip top draft picks along with Chiefs Packers a couple weeks ago you know um, those those were probably two of the most important games that CBS could try to fit into that slot where it is technically a national TV game but not a 
prime time. Yeah. Um, all right. The, uh, worth noting, the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving the week after, so they play in four days after after the Chiefs. And the Chiefs got their bye week coming up after. Also worth noting that the Chiefs don't play on the road again until December 16th in L.A. So they got uh, a home game, bye week, and then uh, Broncos and Raiders at home. So, I mean, fuck, you win this one. You got to think they're, look, they're big favorites against the Broncos and Raiders at home. Uh, then we'd be looking at 9-4 and four going into L.A., keep Mahomes' road record going, like, then Steelers at home. Man, the, the schedule's kind of opening up. It's, it's, it's really – I mean, the NFL just changes by the minute, like – you know, two weeks ago, we were looking at this daunting schedule. Every single team left on the on the schedule has a winning record. And it was just like, man, what the fuck? How's this happen? And now it's almost like, man, every game seems winnable now. Like, it's 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 crazy how quickly it turns uh, just on a dime. And, you know, here we are. We're back. Uh, so the only person that I don't believe has received enough attention, this will be the last thing in today's show, Travis Kelsey. Our boy is back. Uh, not just the coordinated, choreographed, whatever it was, dance uh, while being interviewed by Michelle Tafoya, or yeah, it was that was that NBC. Oh, good, good girl. Whatever. Um, getting interviewed post game, uh, and he kind of gets interrupted by Chris Jones, and then he says he's got his swagger back, and he's doing the like moonwalk. You, you, you saw the video, right? You know what he's doing. I sort of is it Hulk like Hogan a, it's like a no no it's a high school like local news like he's he was uh Mahomes references this after the game in his, in his presser like there there's some random video of high school players that they're all watching that week and so it's a dude like a high school kid and he's just like he's being interviewed he's like we got our swagger back oh and he's, he's <laughs> really that video like I didn't get it at first I knew the video existed and I was like that looks kind of familiar but then uh, today kind of realized that he was it was a full impersonation of that i would assume number one the powers of tiktok are are really really strong number two man can you imagine being that high school kid or that high school team being <laughs> imitated on sunday night football by Ty or travis kelsey and and talked about by patrick mahomes you're like do you remember when big cat was like playing those games on the streak and Mahomes commented about big cat playing video games. I'm just sitting here like, what, what a life, man. What a life. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has something to say about the video game that you're playing. Um, and so this kid just having a quick little funny moment that ends up going viral somehow. And next thing, you know, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes talking about your post game interview. <laughs> All they had to get their swagger back. They're yeah. back. But you did, I thought you were going to mention uh, the best tight end in Kansas City Chiefs history uh, was going to be your closeout. And you got real close. You real, you danced around it, but you you, skipped, you got picked the wrong tight end. And we need to wish a special happy birthday to one Jason Dunn, mm. um, who is on Twitter. You need to find him on Twitter. I've been interacting with Jason Dunn most of the day. Um, he's He's got some funny quirks. His, his, his Twitter bio says he's a burly nfl veteran tight end he uses yeah. the burly that's the first word in his bio uh that's how you know it's real he doesn't need the check mark just because it says it says burly um also his his name on there is jason the dunn and the is in quotation marks 
I have no idea what this means, uh, but I love it. It's mm. Jason the Dunn, in case you're wondering. Um, so just you know, go go follow him. Uh, What's, the should... What's his at? Uh, it's something weird. Jason the Dunn. <laughs> the uh. best part was, so I was, I was talking with uh, her darkness about uh, how I was how I was interacting with Jason Dunn, like one of my favorite chiefs of the past. And I was like, oh yeah, he's like the biggest, baddest motherfucker you've ever seen. And he actually, the tweet that he sent me that I pulled up has all these heart emojis. Cause I was telling him like, Chiefs, Chiefs Nation has so much love for you. And you gotta, you gotta see the gif that he sent. It's just a bunch of floating hearts. It looks like one of those random Facebook post filters. Um, it's really weird. So I was like, yeah, no, he's the biggest, baddest motherfucker you've ever seen. And then I pull up a tweet like, oh yeah. And, and then he tweets stuff like that. He yeah, likes hearts, it's fine. Uh, so his his ed is, it's Jesus, which is like Jesus but with an A. It might be like a Jesus situation here. It might be might be Jesus. He's Jesus TD eighty nine. A beautiful okay. ed for a beautiful man. Go follow Jason. There you go. Uh, didn't you say he was hosting a podcast with Eric Warfield? Him and Eric Warfield host a podcast. It's not quite quite on our level yet, but they're getting there. To be fair, the podcast I listened to, Jason Dunn didn't show up for the 30 minutes that I listened to. Uh, they kept saying, they kept saying, when Jason Dunn joins us, and then it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just Warfield talking with uh, Lamont Jordan of the Raiders. Um, and it was okay, but they were kind of working out some kinks. They, it, I think it's their first year. They're kind of still figuring it out. But, you know, if it's, if it was less guests and if it was just Warfield and Dunn shooting the shit, I think it would be better personally. Um, so I'm, I'm going to keep my eye on it for the future. Chief Concerns is the podcast. When my co-host Jason Dunn joins me, how many times did Eric Warfield say that over what may have been an excruciating 30 minutes? Can you imagine you having to carry the show for 30 minutes, Dirk? You'd be like, uh, and I, I feel bad for Warfield. Jason Dunn, we love you. Step it up, man. Get well, on the there. Throw him a bone. So there's there's voices on there, but I didn't recognize any of the voices, so I could never tell who was actually speaking. Uh, obviously, Lamont came with a Raiders slant, and Warfield came with a Chiefs slant, but I didn't even know Dunn wasn't on there until they said something at one point, like, when Jason, John, when Jason Dunn joins us later. And I was like, fuck, he hasn't been on here the whole time? Uh, so, you know, you know, we'll, we'll give it another shot. I'm gonna, I'll be back next week. I'll say that. Lamont Jordan sounds just like the type of player that you would type into some sort of random nfl post on twitter he had he had a lot of love for the chiefs man he talked about uh he said he grew up a braves fan and went to florida state so he's like coming to arrowhead and hearing that chop like there was there was nothing better like i love playing at arrowhead he could not stop talking about it It it's pretty awesome all right well he didn't have to travel to arrowhead to hear the arrowhead faithful in las vegas on sunday night chiefs fans were loud and proud and the chiefs won 41 to 14 coming up on Sunday afternoon at Arrowhead, Chiefs and Cowboys, the game of the year, potentially, regular season game of the year. Folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. The Chiefs are six and four. And once again, the favorites to win the AFC West. We're back. We're back. Who the best? Go join.